0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. This time sponsored by our friends at SynTech. Thanks so much for uh, sponsoring this edition of the AfriCast. Uh, this week, things are a little bit different. Uh, myself and Robin Lichetti spoke to Craig Nowitz and Ryan Martin from SynTech earlier this week uh, just to gain some insights into the local PC market and the PC market as a whole around the world. Um... So we had a really nice conversation with them. We also had a chat about SynTech's PC Builder platform. Uh, so if you're a retailer, hang around till the end uh, to just hear some more about this platform and how you can incorporate it into your business. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation, some really great insights from a distributor in South Africa. So if you've ever had questions about the local PC market, this is the Africacast to listen to. Once again, thanks to Syntec for sponsoring this and thanks to Craig and Ryan for chatting to myself and Robin. Uh, that's enough for me. We're going to jump right into the interview. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you next week. Okay, so today we've got something a little bit interesting. Uh, we've got, we're going to be talking about uh, computers, well, technically the PC market in South Africa, and uh, we've brought two folks along from or from Syntech to speak to us today about the local PC market. Uh, that's Ryan Martin and Craig Nowitz. Uh, Ryan and Craig, do you guys want to just introduce yourselves very quickly and, and give us an idea of what you do at Syntech?
1: Sure. Thank you, Brendan. So, I'm Craig Nowitz, and I'm the CEO of Syntech, uh, been involved in the company for 10 years now. And I look after the overall, uh, the overall view of the business, currently.
2: And Ryan, cool. And I'm I'm uh, Ryan Martin. I'm one of the co-founders of SynTech and uh, operational as sales and marketing director in the business.
0: Fantastic, uh, Ryan. Do you want to just give us a quick uh, elevator pitch about what it is that Syntec does, just for our listeners that don't perhaps don't aren't familiar with your name?
2: Sure. So, we are an electronics distributor, and really what makes us special is we try to look for class-leading technology from all across the world and introduce it to the, be able to benefit the lives of African people with, uh, with the best and the most available technology in, in the market. And so, we, we work with key retailers and resellers to be able to make sure that those products come to market and have the right level of support um, and and can ultimately be sustainable in in this territory.
0: That's awesome. So I think that kind of segues nicely into the main topic of the conversation today, which... It was about the, uh, the ongoing, I, th- I suppose it is starting to ease up a little bit now, but the ongoing uh, semiconductor shortage that we find ourselves in uh, that's been happening over the past two years. And I think the first question I want to ask to, to you guys is what, what brought about the shortage? Was it something that we saw coming, coming or was it something that was kind of brought about by the pandemic and kind of caught us off guard?
1: Um, thanks Brendan um, I'll take this one so uh, yes um, the shortages started at the beginning of covert uh, obviously dealing with China a lot we, we were watching what was happening in China in uh, November December 2019 um, and with that there was a big concern about China going into lockdown not being able to get uh, components and uh, parts out of China and with the, the lockdown of COVID in South Africa and the rest of the world, there was huge demand from corporates and individuals for work from home environment. And that just saw a massive surge in demand for everything related to IT. So when, when COVID started hit in China at the end of 2019, a lot of companies were very concerned. Um, would we get components? Uh, would there be shutdowns that we couldn't ship? and that caused everybody to place large orders which caused uh, a shortage in the market so obviously with the the work from home taking off around the world that just increased over the beginning of 2020 and demand picked up so much that it created huge huge shortages in the it market at the same time um, when when lockdown started obviously people weren't using vehicles and the automotive industry thought that they're going to have a massive slump and they started cancelling a lot of their semiconductor orders with factories to go into vehicles Um, when suddenly there was a huge surge in vehicle demand again obviously the automotive industry had big problems and big shortages in components even though the automotive semiconductor industry only accounts for about 10 to 15 percent of the overall market it created big shortages into the market because the demand for it at the same time was was very high
0: yeah you can kind of see how uh, it could be a compounding factor right is that i mean if it only if it only accounts for 15 to 20% of the markets, even if that if that disappears one day and then all of a sudden it's back up the next that that's really not an ideal
1: situation i'm sure absolutely absolutely so so obviously we had we have massive shortages at the beginning of 2020, um, most of our suppliers where we normally had a lead time of around 30 days for manufacture increased to 2 months or even 3 months. Wow. At the same time, uh, all, the air, all the airlines stopped flying, Yeah. so a lot of the goods that we were flying in uh, couldn't be flown in anymore or if they were being flown in, the rates were three times what they were before. So a lot of the price increases that you you saw coming during covid was because of air freight shipping or sea freight shipping. At the time at the at pre pre covid we used to pay around $750 for a 20 foot container to get here. At uh, peak over time probably mid 2020 we were paying up to $8,000 for a 20 foot container. Whoa. right more than 10 times the price. So if you were shipping Cheap bulky goods. So let's say we're looking at a at a chassis. Uh, if you look at a chassis at let's say thirty dollars, and you can put four hundred of them into a twenty foot container, that's twelve thousand dollars in a twenty foot container with eight thousand dollars freight. So suddenly your freight, which used to cost you a couple of percent, was now sitting at uh, between sixty and eighty percent. That's so bad. that caused major increases in your bulky cheap items uh, almost immediately in the market. That's crazy. And are we starting to see this uh,
0: semiconductor shortage easing up? I know that uh, trade has sort of opened up a lot more, but in terms
1: of the actual semiconductors, are we seeing that, that shortage starting to ease up? So, um, Brendan, we definitely are. Um, I think uh, what's also happened is over the last two years, you've seen a lot of the semiconductor uh, manufacturers put a lot of investment into new fabs. So uh, that would be their factory, a fab, A fab would take at least probably uh, three to five years to be up and running and cost at least between five and ten billion dollars. So a lot of the the, the fabs invested into new fabs over this time. Mm. And as well as you've seen uh, the CHIPS Act in the USA, which is government giving 52 billion dollars for investment into local fabs and semiconductor industry in the US. From my side, I see all this expansion is going to create excess stock in the market. So we are already seeing um, the shortages easing up, uh, probably since the end of last year or beginning of this year, when. the war with russia and ukraine started you've definitely seen a, a big ease up in the in the shortage
0: is this investment not an overcorrection then craig this i mean for instance like intel's opened up uh, intel foundry services just last year i believe it was um with plans to have factories open or their fabs open by 2024 2025 i stand to be corrected but is this not an overcorrection from the market maybe
1: and I, I see definitely if all these investments go ahead from all these semiconductor manufacturers, I think there's def- we're definitely going to be in an oversupply market. We're already seeing some articles coming out that some of the semiconductor manufacturers are decreasing their investments now oh, because wow. it, it does look like we, we will be in an oversupply situation if all these investments do go ahead.
3: Um, Craig, if I could just follow up on one of the elements that you mentioned there. Um, kind of social, socio-political p- elements as far as Ukraine and Russia are concerned. Are there any concerns that that might have impact as, as far as the semiconductor shortage goes? Uh, we also, uh, again, I don't want to be too fatalist or uh, fear-mongering too much, but something like uh, the outbreak of monkeypox, although it's quite small at this stage, is there kind of any concerns around that as well in the industry?
1: So I, I don't think uh, monkeypox is a concern at the moment. Um, the war between Russia and Ukraine has actually created a bit of excess stock in the market so all the stock that used to go into Russia um, and now most of the companies imposing sanctions against them that that stock is now available for the other channels
0: Ah, all so right, it's, it's, it's interesting. With,
1: okay. yeah we, we did see an ease-up and uh, availability increase from quite a couple of our suppliers because they could redistribute that stock that was going to Russia before
3: okay. all right instead
1: That's very, very interesting. Um,
0: So I kind of want to shift a little bit now and and look at the local markets. Um, So living here on the bottom of Africa, there's a perception about that the pricing of components uh, in South Africa is drastically out of whack compared to other parts of the world. Now, we've seen a lot of folks comparing uh, U.S. pricing and then South African pricing, um, not taking into account things like the fact that U.S. pricing often doesn't have tax added onto it, uh, and not until checkout at the very least. Um, but is there really that much of a drastic difference in pricing of components in South Africa as compared to the rest of the world?
1: Definitely not. Definitely not. Most, most of your, your price differences that you see if you're comparing pricing against South Africa versus international market, most of that pricing is is around the freight cost of getting the, the stock into South Africa and then also to handle the warranty around South Africa. So if you had to look at, let's say, uh, an NVIDIA graphics card, uh, uh, a 3090-38 series where you're looking at a retail price of 40,000 Rand. The local distributors are taking responsibility for that warranty. So you can't get a return of a 40,000 Rand card and throw it in the bin. Mm. There's a cost involved in getting that card back, sending it back to the manufacturer overseas, which is not cheap at the moment, can't see freight it and wait 90 days for it to come back. So that card would be air freighted back to manufacturer, would be repaired. Would come back into South Africa and sit as uh, as buffer stock so okay. I think where you do see price differences a lot of the time it's the freight and and it's extra uh, extra costs in controlling the warranties because we are so far away from manufacturing hubs. If you were buying a card uh, in the US or, or Europe and you're buying an MSR card and something goes faulty, there are service centers around the area where you could go take the card and get a replacement. It doesn't have to be shipped back overseas. And I, And I think where you see price differences, a lot of it is around the warranty and the shipping to South Africa.
0: I mean, that's such a good point because I think here in South Africa, because we're so um, kind of involved in the global economy it's very easy to kind of assume that the likes of nvidia and amd have have bases here to handle things like repairs and returns and that sort of thing um when in actuality they have to go back to the nearest manufacturing point um and which is it yeah i think that's a really really important point for folks to understand um just building off of that it, it, as regards South Africa and the rest of the world, do you see any trends that are different in South Africa compared to the rest of the world? Like, is AMD bigger than Intel, or is Intel bigger than AMD? Or is are there any trends where South Africa is markedly different from the rest of the world?
1: Um, so, not 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 really from a point of a market share between, let's say, Intel and AMD. I think where there's a big difference in the South African market to some of your first world countries is. Our market is an entry level to mid tier market. Okay. Whereas internationally, if you walked into a, a computer store in the US or EU, most of your products on the shelves there are your top tier brands. So yeah. let's say on the gaming side, you'd be sitting with your Corsair, your Razors, your Steel Series. Where in South Africa, that market is very limited on your high-end enthusiastic market where our mass market our volume market is more on your entry to your to your mid market so from a market share point of view on amd and intel i I wouldn't say there's much of a difference in south africa but definitely from a uh, a tier one tier two product selling point in the rest of the world you'd find a lot more enthusiastic and high um, lsm products as opposed to South Africa being more entry- level and mid market that's
0: really interesting because just within the circles that I move a lot of a lot of my friends have aspirations of having an enthusiast level PC um, obviously that's just a very small sample group of my friends um, but it's just interesting to hear that we're more of a, a entry to mid-level markets like just looking at economically Robin did you want to chime in
3: yeah I just wanted to perhaps get Ryan's um, kind of perspective on this uh, Obviously, syntech isn't just involved as far as the PC business is concerned, uh, but is, is that a similar trend that you guys are seeing across the different kind of silos of brands that you guys represent? Um, is, I guess, the entry level to intermediate space where a lot of South Africans are looking to spend their money?
2: Yeah, um, I think uh, on peripherals in particular, peripherals and accessories, what we found is, you know, some of the big brands that that dominate retail spaces in Europe and the U.S. are unable to compete um, with similar spec brands in South Africa because there's a more cost-effective alternative. And um, uh, I think the the, the the reality is that South Africa's market size is relatively small, and because of because of our consumers being fairly price sensitive. Um, many of many of our brands that are doing well are our own branded products where we've done the packaging and um, we've, we've got our team in China sourcing the best quality products from the best factories. But being able to strip out all the marketing costs that, that would happen for the rest of the world, we're, we're able to do really fantastic products at, um, at, at more aggressive price points. And, and that seems to be exceptionally well received on South African consumer.
3: So would it be, I guess, a fair assessment to say that South Africans are very much driven by value for money? Obviously, brand absolutely, loyalty.
2: absolutely. I think, um, in in fact, uh, if we if we look at the, the the market as a whole, you know, there's only five million people in South Africa that are really paying taxes, and you know, looking at something as as simple as a charging cable for your cell phone, the sentiment we hear from our retailers is, the consumer will happily spend. 20 or 30 rand on a charging cable which they know is probably going to break in 2 or 3 months time as opposed to 120 rand on a really great quality cable knowing full well the cable they're buying is is going to uh, is, is probably going to fall apart but will will spend that less less money looking to replace it in a shorter period of time because that's the amount of disposable income they have this month to spend wow that's very very interesting
0: Sorry, I'm a bit shocked by that. Um, I feel a bit called out by that, because I am that person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I mean, I think uh, it's something that makes sense, right? Like I I just recently had my mouse die, and I could save up and spend 2,000 rand on a mouse, but I need a mouse right now, so I went to my local uh, computer electronics retailer and bought a mouse that I could afford right now, so... It makes a lot of sense. It's just, yeah, I feel called out. Um, (laughs) Let's move on. Um, So something else I just want to pick your brains about, uh, Ryan or Craig, feel free to jump in here, um, is about price drops internationally. So uh, being in the media, we see a lot of announcements uh, internationally about price drops for GPUs and that sort of thing. And we kind of think about whether these would ever come to South Africa. So I want to ask when, when we see these international price drops of uh, components do those price drops affect South Africa and how long does it take on average for them to kind of reach the local market? If at all.
1: Sure. So, so been a very good question there and it, it very much depends on who the supplier is and the type of product. So if we take for instance uh, AMD Uh, AMD could do a price drop, uh, let's say next week, uh, worldwide on a range of CPUs. That funding will be passed over to us directly for our stock on hand. So if AMD said on the 20th of this month there's going to be a price drop on these CPUs, on that date they will assist us with funding to reduce the pricing of our okay. stock on hand to be able to hit that price in the market very similarly uh, crucial micron on the memory ssds if if they send out a new price lot drop and they and, and they've dropped pricing they will protect our stock on hand. Um, therefore, instance, it's anything bought in the last 30 days. Uh, we will be supplied with a with a credit note. We will reduce that pricing and that pricing will hit the market almost immediately. When it comes to to other types of products, not such big tier one vendors. So, if they say uh, any of our own brand products, Winx or Gizu, we're buying from overseas mm-hmm. and shipping here, the lead times could be two months manufacture and, and six weeks on the sea. When that price drop happens internationally, only our next stock that hits the market that comes to our South Africa, which, as I say, could be two or three months later, then you would see that price drop. Okay, so, so it really it, depends it on where, on the vendor and the supplier. Okay. Yeah. All right.
0: I mean, that's cool that some that some suppliers do protect your stock on hand. Um, that's very cool. But yeah, I, I suppose that, it, it, like you say, it depends on who you're buying the stock from.
2: 100%. I think maybe maybe just adding to that, yeah. the the big brands need to be careful that products don't filter between territories. And so, if they don't normalize pricing in all territories at the same time, there's a real risk that grey imported products start to move into other territories and uh, and muddy the waters. So they tend to uh, adopt a far more structured approach to to pricing change. Okay, all right. Yeah.
1: And uh, a lot of the time, for instance. Um, uh, we have the Nvidia 4000 series of graphics cards coming out uh, possibly next month or the following month. The a lot of responsibility lies on the local distributors. If they're sitting with old stock, is to start clearing that stock out now. So. Yeah on graphics cards for instance you you'll probably find some good deals in the market because oh. distributors and resellers at the moment will be taking the knocks themselves to reduce inventory to not be sitting with stock when the when the new range hits
0: so that's why it's so much harder to find old generation graphics cards uh, when the new generation hits because retailers have have, uh, have gotten rid of all the old stock <laughs>
1: Hundred percent. Everyone's trying to clear it out before the new stock arrives. And uh, in this industry, your first loss is your best loss. So the sooner you can get rid of those old cards, uh, the less loss you're going to make going forward on them. Yeah, that uh, makes 100% sense. So I want to shift uh, now to
0: back to the local, or I say shift. We've been talking about the local PC market. Um, so I want to ask you guys, Syntec, what what factors you take into consideration? We touched on this a little bit. Um, what factors you take into consideration when bringing products into South Africa? So you've already mentioned that we're a, an entry level to mid mid uh, mid range markets. Um, so how do you how do you guys measure demand and stuff? Do you speak to your supplier or to your channel partners? How do you how do you measure that and decide what you're bringing into the country?
2: Maybe I can take this one. Hmm. Um, I think the, the what we we love to do more than uh, I think many of our competitors is introduce new product to market, and uh, I think it's very easy to take an established market and try and take market share with a different brand, um, which typically leads to to just price drops and uh, and and more competitive uh, nature on a, on an existing portfolio, and so so I think. If I if I tackle that first, where there's an established product set uh, and we're introducing a new brand, we'll try to gauge the market size and whether or not that brand has the ability to deliver more value than what the consumer is already receiving from other brands in the market. Um, based on that, if we can gauge the market size, we'll we'll be relatively conservative in terms of bringing in our first stock. to depend on on market feedback and and then grow. Uh, grow the brand with good marketing and good after-sales support, but the type of business that we we're really passionate about is introducing new tech and new opportunities to to the market, and and really empowering our research to to deliver that. and And that's a little bit more guesswork. So that's where we start to uh, try to understand where there's a need in the market, whether or not this new product can can deliver value to that need and um, and 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 really solve some problems. And uh, the, then, we, the, then we have to go out on a limb and take a risk. And I think we, we're right more than, the, than we're wrong. But uh, we've certainly, we certainly made some bad calls in the past and, and thought things would work. And, and very often, we're just a little bit too early for the market.
0: Mm. I, I mean, that is a risk that you have to take, right? And like you say, it's, sometimes you have a hit and sometimes you have a miss. I mean, like I, person, anecdotally speaking, I'm seeing the wings products everywhere and people picking them up. Um, just because they really good value for money. Um, So hopefully, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes with you guys, but just from, as I said, an anecdotal point of view, uh, it looks to be going well for you guys. So hopefully that was a risk that paid off. Um,
2: Yeah, there's a lot of the background that happens. I mean, every, every product that comes in, we've typically brought in samples. And between Craig and myself, We're in charge of research and destruction, not so much research and development. (laughs) If we can last, it's typically okay for the South African market, Um, but really the products we source, we wanna know are the best quality and class, the best available uh, supply, because really we want our customers to be focused on that wonderful new experience when things work and, and not dealing with problems if they don't. Um, awesome. So, so I think having a really good quality product with, with good after-sales services is key to the success of a brand.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important that you guys have hands-on experience with the product before you push it out into the market. Uh, because, I mean, it is a risk when you see this brand that you've never seen before and you're like, okay, well, I, I'm going to spend a couple of my Rendellas on this now. Um, hopefully, it doesn't break in a week, uh, even though… You know, you've shown us that that's probably not true anyway. Um, Right. So something I want to talk about a little bit is uh, protecting your PC because we've spoken a bit about how components are really expensive and that sort of thing. So with stage six load shedding that happened recently and just load shedding in general, the unreliability of the power system. Um, what should I be doing to take better better care of my PC as, a, as an ordinary citizen um, and on top of that uh, I just kind of want to add an extra question on top of that is running a PC on a generator advisable so what steps should I be taking to protect my PC and can I run it on a generator I think are the, the two questions that I want
1: to want to ask you guys sure, so uh, Brendan the, the, the multiple answers to to this question. <laughs> Obviously stage 6 load shedding and any load shedding with the power going off and coming back on you, you you're often receiving a bit of a, a surge in uh, the amount of electricity that you that you're getting and instead of coming back on a 220 uh, you, you get a bit of a surge. So your your first line of protection uh, and the probably the cheapest is to add a surge protector plug onto your PC and if uh, load shedding stops and electricity comes back on that will hopefully protect your power supply from, from a little bit of a surge. Now with Windows, uh, not so bad with the Linux and Android OS, obviously just powering down your computer while you're busy with something and not shutting it down can cause corruption and can cause windows blue screen and your machine not to start up again so first line of protection would would be a UPS and then I think people need to be careful in that a UPS has a, a standard UPS has a lead-acid battery lead-acid batteries should not be drained more than 50% of their power capacity mm-hmm. okay. um, a normal lead-acid battery would have about 500 cycles once you start draining it below 50%, you start destroying the battery and you'll probably get about 200 cycles out of the battery. Uh, 200 cycles on, on a battery on stage six load shedding is not gonna last you very long. And most people will not turn off their PC when their UPS is at 50%. They'll carry on running it uh, until it's, the UPS is almost flat and then yeah. shut down their PC. So a UPS is a good solution If you don't want your PC to shut down as load shedding starts but you should then save your work and shut down your PC and not drain the lead acid battery down a lot. The perfect option is to add something like a lithium iron based uh, inverter solution. So there we we have a great solution in the EcoFlow products which will run like a UPS um, and you have load shedding it will switch over to battery and then switch back to, to power when you come back on. When you talk about a generator, a generator, as long as it has an AVR function, should be okay. So an AVR is an automatic voltage regulator, which will try keep that generator at a constant 220-230 volts. That should be okay to run a to run a normal type of PC. Remember, any type of server or uh, high-end equipment is very sensitive to the millisecond changeover on a, on a UPS or a inverter. Yeah. So your UPS normally has a very quick changeover of about 2 to 5 milliseconds and that will run most PCs uh, without a problem. If you are running a server you should be looking at an online UPS which will have no changeover. Uh, it, it's basically running on battery permanently so if you do have a file power failure there's no time to switch over. But um, yeah, running it should be okay to run a PC off a generator as as long as it has AVR and it's keeping the the current consistent. If it doesn't have AVR, the fluctuation will be d- too much for your power supply and and will probably pop it over a short period of time.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important thing uh, that's worth mentioning is that AVR, because I've seen a lot of people plugging a, a computer into a generator without an AVR and then their computer stops working and
1: they can't they can't figure out why. Yeah. So then if you don't have an AVR, then it would always be good to add a little UPS Mm. um, onto your machine. So once uh, once you have load shedding, the UPS will kick in. By the time you've started up the generator, uh, the UPS is holding you enough power. And once your generator is up and running, your UPS should be able to stabilize that voltage rate if it's a decent UPS. Fantastic.
0: Uh, Robin, did you want to ask anything else on that?
3: Yeah, I was just, um, I wanted to find out from Craig if he thinks that uh, South African consumers are perhaps educating themselves a bit better as far as finding, I guess, alternative power solutions are concerned. Um, uh, We've kind of been dealing with load shedding for more than a decade now, and I guess in the earlier years it was just one of the things we have to deal with. But now I think people are being a bit more proactive considering it's not going away. So are uh, people doing the right kind of research as far as getting uh, the right kind of products into their home and is perhaps Cintec doing anything in that regard as far as educating consumers?
2: I'll, I'll take this one. I think um, I think the consumers are definitely uh, becoming more aware of the right and smarter solutions. Uh, we've seen it with our mini UPSs that power um, ADSL and and uh, fiber and Wi-Fi home. Um, but, you know those solutions. Uh, even even some of the older older consumers seem to know exactly how to plug them in and uh, and and do what what they need to keep the Wi-Fi on, which is encouraging. Um, with, with, with regard to education, yeah, this is something that we, we're quite passionate about. In fact, uh, Craig and I have uh, scheduled some time to do a, a little bit of a walkthrough with all of the varying powers, power products and power solutions that consumers can, can do and and, and utilize. Um, but really what we found is this is a great opportunity for our resellers to educate the market. And I think as many consumers have become way more uh, informed about electronics, there's still a space for, for IT specialists and resellers to be able to add value and, and, and guide customers into the best solutions. And that's where I think our relationships with our partners empower them to, 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 to inform consumers on the best decisions for, for their household power requirements.
3: Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, obviously, if you take the time to actually educate your consumers, uh, you start to kind of build that brand loyalty as well. So that is good to hear that uh, some steps have been taken.
0: Fantastic. Right. Uh, Let's move on to uh, one of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time. Um, The PC Builder that you guys created uh, and have set forth onto the market. Um, For those who don't know, the PC Builder is a tool that Syntec created. Uh, that helps you build a pc from scratch it's really intelligent in that uh if you select like an intel cpu for an amd motherboard it'll tell you that that doesn't work if your components are demanding too much power and you don't have a big enough power supply it will tell you that it's a really intuitive tool that's currently being used by computer mania um, and i think my first question is why was the pc builder created ryan or craig who ever wants to take this
2: uh, I can take it. Cool. So, building a PC is daunting. Yes. I don't know when, when you guys last did it, but there are a lot of components that go in there, and and I, I don't know how many people actually know what every component does, and further than that, how to ensure that every component works well with everyone else. And I think, Brendan, you, you mentioned that yeah, you you buy an Intel CPU, you can't plug it onto an AMD motherboard. It's got to be everything's got to work together. I mean, it um, goes further that, than that, though.
0: I mean, within Intel's own space, <laughs> you could have an Intel motherboard or Intel-supported motherboard, but the CPU isn't the right size, right? So, I mean, the problem is is quite Joking. is quite huge.
2: So you've got s- different socket sizes between the CPUs. You've got different power requirements. Um, and then, you, and then your power supply has to have the right number of pins to support all the components you mm-hmm. choose, and then of course there's the physical dimensions of the components which need to all fit together in the right size case. Um, and 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 funny enough, you, you know, years ago when we were we, we were trying to educate our own sales team on how to sell a a, a computer system that was custom built, it was a daunting task, and no. Nobody wants to look like a fool in their customer when a system that's been paid for doesn't it doesn't fit together or doesn't work together. Yeah, and so what we wanted to do was was just demystify the the process of building a gaming system and, and make it a lot easier. Because our belief is that if if it was easy, way more people would get into PC game, way more people would do it and wouldn't be dependent on some expert to tell them exactly what they needed. Um, but further than that, having all the information available to make the right informed decision means that customers can spend their money wisely on the components that they need that are going to make sense for their requirements as opposed to just what somebody tells them they need to have. And yeah. and I think creating that, that that ease that ease of access helping people to make a decision based on what they want and what they need it for really really unlocks a lot more potential in the South African market
0: yeah I mean like just also once again anecdotally but from my own experience building a PC um, I, the rig that I'm currently running is now two years old oh, it's time for an upgrade um, and uh, I remember when I when I was building this PC I uh, <coughs> I like to think I have my head uh, screwed onto my shoulders when it comes to technology but uh, when I was building this PC I was looking at the the new AMD ecosystem if you will Um, and I wasn't sure whether I needed a B450 or B550 motherboard and it was all just very confusing. And eventually, I just went with the cheapest one. Um, and in hindsight, I should have probably gone for the B550, um, the, the chipset for AMD, just because it gave me a, a bigger upgrade path. But, I mean, this is the problem, right, is that there's, there's the, the, the act of building a PC is so complicated and so complex… Uh, just because there are so many different components and different options within those components of what you can do um, that yeah sometimes you, you end up getting something worse than what you intended to get
2: if you know what I mean absolutely and then if you if you think about it why you buy a gaming PC from the beginning is 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 more often than not to play a specific game mm. so if you compare that experience, uh, with the building process, and to know if you want to play uh, a, a particular a particular game and have that machine ready and, and set up with the right frame rate that's going to make sense on the monitor you choose, it it's you're informed from day one. You don't get home, unbox your PC, and realize after you've spent all this money it actually doesn't do what you wanted to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um,
0: the the tools currently being used by Computer Mania. Um, and I wanted to ask, are there plans to expand to other retailers at the moment, or are you kind of doing a, tri- a test run with Computer Mania, see how it's received? What are the plans with uh, the PC Builder?
2: Uh, I think what, what we wanted to do was, was get a good understanding of the markets, and a, a big part of, of, of PC Builder's uh, development is based on, on market feedback. So working with one partner for, for launch uh, making sure that we could we, we could target all marketing activities, all support, and gather all feedback in a single place made a, a lot of sense. And I think we've got a really great relationship with the the team at uh, Computer Mania. The other thing that we loved about their their business is that they geographically have got support centers all over the country. So in the event that a customer has a uh, a requirement for after sale support. Or wants to check out the check out any of the machines, they can pop over to their local store and get localized support. Mm. And um, absolutely, there's been a lot of interest in from other partners and uh, other retailers to launch the brand, and, and and we'll certainly be exploring those in the future. But for now, our, our focus is to be working with them for for the first few months. So
0: something I wanted to ask is, does the PC builder help? folks who are building a pc for the first time maybe understand some of the hidden costs because i mean for instance when i'm building or when i built my first pc i bought i bought the motherboard the cpu the graphics card the ram the chassis the power supply and then i didn't have a keyboard mouse or monitor um so are there some hidden costs that the pc builder could help uh first-time buyers aware be aware of as regards hidden
2: costs absolutely um i think you know one the power supply for me is is arguably the biggest grudge purchase in a (laughs) in in a pc it doesn't do anything but it has to power all these amazing components and uh and it's one of the areas where if people scrimp that's that's often what comes back to bite them later and you can't upgrade if you don't have enough power and and uh uh, obviously so there so there's um there, there's several components the peripherals are also available as uh, a, a part of the segment um, as well as any accessories like cooling products um, one other thing that i think a lot of consumers forget about is the importance of an operating system oh yeah and and um, and i think it's it's an expensive it's an expensive thing to go and buy a windows if you want it out the box so um, pc builder is is uh, is a Microsoft um, cert- certified uh, brand, which means that it's, it has a very, very cost-effective Windows licenses that are, that are shipped with the device. and that, that presents a couple of really big benefits, which I think many consumers don't think about, um, but is a hidden cost down the line. So there's obviously um, the benefit of having a, a fully licensed uh, operating system which ships with these machines, but the benefit is also all of the drivers for all of the individual components are installed and configured and updated prior to the machine shipping out from from our our, our assembly line, and that means that these machines work from day one. Um, but for for many consumers who, who are buying a PC for the first time, uh, to go and get the get a barebone system and then have to install Windows or find Windows, pay a premium for it, or or, or for some want to want to install an illegal copy of it, there's 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 a lot of hidden costs down the line to try and troubleshoot the machine which isn't working because the drivers aren't up to date or whatever other configuration settings haven't been set up properly. I mean, it's it's kind of why
0: I tend to recommend folks buy a laptop over a desktop because nine times out of ten, the laptop manufacturer is shipping that laptop with an operating system installed, with all the drivers installed, and maybe even their own bespoke little control center, but it's, it's so much easier for a person to literally just click update and have all of those things update um, as opposed to having a custom-built PC with all different components where you have to update each component or each component's drivers individually sometimes. Like it, it, it does get a bit much, but I, I understand what you mean. By having that, that kind of Windows experience and having all the drivers and stuff installed when you when you get the machine, I think that's such a value add, especially for a first-time
1: builder. Sure. And Brendan, I think a, a, a hidden cost that uh, people had a couple of years ago was obviously the cost of the games. Mm. Uh, you could go spend uh, quite a bit on a gaming PC, get home, and then the first thing you have to do is is go buy a game at a 1,000 Rand and uh, download 20, 30, 40 gigs worth of data. Yeah. Um, today, all our Windows machines, so all our Windows 11 machines ship with uh, Microsoft Game Pass. So at a... Minimal cost, and I think you, you you get between one and three months free, and at a minimal monthly cost, you get access to hundreds of games.
0: Oh yeah, you don't need uh, to you don't need to great. evangelize a Game Pass for us. We we love that. Mm. We love that uh, that offering. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that has reduced the, uh, reduced the cost of uh, out-of-box experience in, in that you've got access to thousands of games yeah. and then I think uh, another cost that people don't realize is, is obviously you've got a machine that's drawing four, five, six hundred watts of power and uh, there's an electricity cost Oh yes, uh, that's associated to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't even realized that or thought about that actually, the electricity cost. But, yeah, I mean, especially if, you, if you're buying prepaid electricity, that is something that you should consider. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, cool. Uh, let, let, let's move on, talk a bit about PC Builder and, and the channel. Um, so something I wanted to ask that I was curious about is, um, in order to make use of the PC Builder platform, do, you, do I need to be a Syntec uh, channel partner?
2: So, so PC Builder is available in two forms. Um, obviously, for consumers that aren't registered resellers, they can make use of the full PC Builder functionality using the Computer Mania platform, which is at computermania.pcbuilder.si. And then, for SynTech resellers, there is a reseller portal um, where they can they, they can make use of the system for their own customers put their own quotes together uh, their own um, their own margin structures and and be able to use the tool to kind of create curated uh, custom built systems directly for their resellers um, and, and really depending on where, if you're a reseller or a consumer there are there are platforms available for, for for all types of users okay and obviously i you would
0: have to be part of syntex channel environments in order to make use of that tool as a as a retailer
2: as a reseller, yes, you need to be a registered uh, reseller, okay. and, uh, and that's a quick process too. it. I mean, it's about ten minutes with our online uh, uh, registration process, and um, and 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 we obviously qualify all of our resellers. We we're quite uh, protective about making sure that the the resellers that. That are registered with SynTech don't have to worry about end users um, coming cu- c- coming directly to SynTech. So we do qualify all of our resellers, okay. but uh, but but it's a tool which we really hope empowers them to be able to be able to, to to sell custom built systems more effectively.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really clever clever business line. If you if you want to add, add just add something to your offering, is offer custom built PCs. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really cool offering. So. The next thing I want to ask is, is PC Builder is it a platform as a service offering, whereby you sort of need to pay a subscription, or is it a once-off payment that uh, folks pay you guys?
2: So, for SynTech resellers, if they're using the tool that's on our own website, it's 100% free for all of our resellers. Fantastic. and They get the benefit of the reseller pricing, the tool, the updates, and everything are there. There's no cost whatsoever. Um, but obviously, for our retail partners, there's a cost of developing their own custom sites um, and then a monthly hosting and management fee uh, to make sure that we can, we can continue to support the, the, the product and, and, and introduce updates as the market requires.
0: And, and I know you mentioned that you were, you were in discussions with other retailers, but if a retailer wants to make use of this system, can they, how can they get in touch with
2: you guys? I think the easiest would be to, uh, to 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 get in touch with us via our website channel there is there's an inquiry form um, obviously they f- feel free to to reach out and, and contact Craig or myself directly mm-hmm. uh, many of the retailers are, are, have already expressed uh, quite a lot of interest and and obviously there's a fair amount of integration that needs to happen with their systems and their websites yeah. to be able to get the the, the customer journey seamless uh, yeah, yeah
0: because I, th- I think it was just just sorry as an aside I think it's worth mentioning that um, when we spoke to you guys about PC Builder when you first announced the tool um, something that I believe whew, I, can't, I can't remember the person's name now but I uh, I believe that they said that one of the cool things about the system was that it was checking stock le- levels live. Is that still a feature
2: of, of PC Builder? 100%. So we, we have a live API, uh, which I'm told by our developers is the most onerous API for <laughs> our, our ERP system in in in, in the country, um, which literally checks every single stock item with every transaction. So every time you click on an item, it tells you whether or not there's stock and, and and verifies there is the right stock level, yeah. and it does it again at checkout. So that was one of the one one of the things we wanted to make sure of is that th- there was never a chance that a customer would go through the journey of building their dream <laughs> computer, and get to the point where they needed to pay pay for it, and then only after the fact be told that there wasn't stock. So yeah. so it's constantly doing live checks to our system. That's cool.
0: I think yeah, that I think that's a really important point and a, a fantastic little feature. That because I know there's been times where I've ordered something online, and then only found out weeks later that it's actually out of stock, and my account will be credited. But anyway, we won't talk about those. people.
2: <laughs> and, and we don't want to tell you, hey, you ordered this. This one that's now out of stock, but we can give you this alternative. Uh, what we want is for the customers to be able to choose the exact system they want and get that specific uh, system.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a really important point. Um, as you me- uh, as we mentioned, we'll have a link to uh, compared Computer Mania's PC builder for you to check out, um, and then also links to uh, PC bu- oh, so- sorry to Syntax websites if you're a retailer. Um, uh, Ryan and Craig thank you so much for joining us oh Robin did you want to add anything in closing sorry I'm taking the stage here
3: no nothing worth a reminder I think the guys uh, definitely gave us a good in- overview of uh, what PC Build is about and then obviously some of the issues that are facing the yeah, component market at the moment,
0: and I think it's it's valuable to have the sort of insights, especially from a, a distributor's point of view, um, kind of connect the consumer markets and the distributors markets, kind of showcase that they the problems that we're seeing, maybe are trumped up by, you know, false narratives and that sort of thing, especially the stuff about. Um, the price differences internationally in South Africa I think that's one that a lot of people are going to be shocked by if I'm quite honest but yeah thank you so much Craig and Ryan do you have? Do you guys have anything else you want to add just before we say goodbye no very happy thank you very much Robin and Brendan thanks so much Craig and yourself yeah Brian? thanks very much guys great questions it was really lucky
2: to chat to you both awesome
0: thanks so much guys and it's been a pleasure having you on the Africa.